WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in, everyone got each other over, everyone looked good, and made the industry look great. Nutapal oh. wrestling talent. I'm a true champion. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestle Plug podcast. I am joined today by a very special guest, somebody I'm quite excited about. Now, a lot of you will recognize him as the man who has arguably the most exciting move in professional wrestling, but there is a lot more to this young man than just a shooting star elbow drop, which in itself blows me up, if I'm being honest, bud. But welcome to the podcast, Joe Lando. How are you doing, fella? Hello, thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, I'm doing all right. Doing good. The obviously people are going to be like, hey, that's that guy that does crazy flips. <laughs> but um, there's a lot more to you, obviously. And that's what I'm going to delve into with this podcast. But um, for people who probably don't know who you are, particularly for our listeners who we're very lucky, we have quite an international fan base, people in Israel, uh, New Zealand, Australia, Peru, all these kind of crazy places. Um, Tell them a little bit about yourself. This is your opportunity to kind of cut a promo and tell people who Joe Lando is all about. Yeah, well, um, I'm just Joe Lando. I've been wrestling for four years now, which, um, which is longer than it feels. And um, yeah, I mean, I like to call myself now the best high flyer in the country because I truly believe I am because there's there's no one doing the things I'm doing in my backyard. So um, it'll be the same for when shows come back. I'll, no one is going to be doing what I'm doing. And I truly believe I am the best in this country at high flying. Yeah, high flying is obviously the evolution of professional wrestling. Anyone who watches AW, WWE and everything else and beyond, particularly the Brit Wrestling indie scene, uh, have noticed that the athleticism has built and built and built so much more. And I agree. I think you're very much at the pinnacle of that and... Like you say, uh, just being able to do stuff in your backyard that most people can't do on the biggest and brightest scenes is astonishing. Quick random question, actually. We'll run off on a tangent immediately. Do you own your own ring? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's literally behind that. He sod. <laughs> I'm so jealous. The um, I'll tell you what, actually. Fuck it. We'll get right into it. And by the way, you can swear on here, so feel free to have at it. Owning your own ring. Now, obviously... Young man as well. Most people consider owning your own ring as kind of a luxury that you get when you've become a, you know, a grizzled veteran and then you can start, you know, renting out and running your own shows and things like that. What went into getting your own ring? How old were you when you first got that ring as well? Was, um, that, was that a big expense for you? Yeah, we, we've had the ring since October 2017, I think. So we literally got it right in the winter <laughs> and um, it's, and it's it stayed out there ever since. It's, it's never come in. Wow. It's only been taken down and moved once. And that was literally just slightly across the garden. So like it's, it's been through all that bad weather. But how we got it is because, so I would have been 17 at the time. 
so I I just finished my GCSEs, just finished secondary school, and um, but I, I I knew in my head that I wanted to be a wrestler, and um, my my parents were relatively accepting of that. Obviously, we we have a ring in the garden, so uh, if that tells you anything, and um, <laughs> so they had obviously set up a, a savings account for me, um, expecting me to use that for you know university, a car, uh, whatnot. But um, they let me use it to get the ring. Awesome. That's that's yeah, that's mind blowing to me. Like I train myself, but obviously financially, I'd never be able to afford a ring. And I just think that's my dream is to have one in the garden so I can train more. Oh, I imagine that has lent itself to such an incredible progression because obviously most guys, even yourself included, I'm sure when you first start, you know, you've got to pay, you've got to go to training and you do, you know, take your bumps and your lumps and things like that. But obviously that helps accelerate the process for you. Or does it? Does it, Do you feel that it's still created a... Do you feel like it created somewhat of an unfair advantage, for lack of a better term? Um, well, t- to be truthfully honest with you, um, I trained from when I was 16 up until I was 18. Like, ge- genuinely, the last um, training session I attended was, like, June 2018. Yeah. So that's, that's almost three years like of not going to training Mm. obviously i've i've put in hours (laughs) hours uh in that ring so it's you know i didn't go cold turkey on training but um yeah so i I learned the basics uh i got on shows and um i mean i the training school i went to i mean it it wasn't yeah anything special Mm. no no disrespect um but I, i was learning way more wrestling on shows wrestling against people way better than me um mm. taking that advice um hearing feedback from other people who've seen the match and i was i was just learning more from that and almost at training it just felt like i had got at, at the school i was at i got to the point where you know i, I wasn't really learning that much more I, w- I was learning more by myself in my garden so I, I decided to cut training out and uh j- just focus on getting bookings and learning that way so it, i mean you wouldn't hear that advice from anyone, but it's worked so far, I guess. No, that's, that's actually really refreshing because like, I'm very lucky. I've interviewed some really big names in the business and guys of all different walks of life. And most of them give you the kind of cookie cutter answer of, yeah, you know, you go to training and you do this and you do that. And it's actually quite refreshing because there aren't many guys who have access. People don't realize, uh, particularly people who aren't like within the business or have been trained or anything, that a wrestling ring is a really unique entity. It's not like a, just a standard, like, you know, affair. There's a lot of mechanics to go into obviously how the canvas of the boarding and everything works. So it's not a trampoline. Uh, let's just say that. Um, when you, obviously when you first started, you must've already been quite athletic because nobody just literally jumps in the ring and goes, yo, check this out. Like the famous story is one of the young bucks, of course, he apparently his very first training session, he walks in, he gets up on the top rope, he does the flip and he goes, yo, I'm Matt Jackson. What's going on? And it's just like, I can imagine that's kind of Joe Lando in a nutshell i can just imagine <laughs> like shooting stuff it's all right but you want to stick an elbow on the end of that bad boy like um where's the athleticism background come from is it something you've have you always been a lunatic jumping off of things or are you a gymnast or where did you get your it's, love um no um never gymnastics and that's also something i pride myself on 
like all, all my flips it's all self-taught wow. all self-taught um yeah it's it started probably when i first got into wrestling which was at 11 years old which actually at least at the school i went out at um everyone was getting out of wrestling kind of when they transitioned into secondary school Mm. um but i was the opposite i hated it through uh primary school and then um it got brought into the house uh as i was starting secondary school so i started um watching that and i remember sin cara was one of the guys at the time um and he because he was the only one really doing um the high flying stuff at that period Mm. and we had we've had a trampoline for years but i I'd never really been on it. Um, but yeah, it was just seeing the wrestlers like Sin Cara, Rey Mysterio, um, and deciding to go out there and try it for myself. So I, I taught myself my first backflip at 11. Uh, and then from there, it just progressed each year. And in 2014 or 15, mm. uh, I started a YouTube channel where I would um, post videos of me like doing like 450 splash or shooting star press or something uh and upload it to youtube and they they actually did well some of them were getting like thousands of views in that um and from there one of the most infamous um clips from the channel i i climbed my neighbor's fence and did a 450 splash off of it onto like grass and padding um so yeah i, I definitely knew how to do the flips before i came into wrestling is there any temptation to get involved in backyard wrestling? Did you have any? Because like people turn their nose up at it, but Will Ospreay is a really good example of that. Uh, Seth Rollins, actually, CM Punk. These are people who all kind of used a form of backyard wrestling to give themselves that excess show experience and training before they broke in. Yeah, um, there, there's something in the works um, to do with some type of wrestling content coming from my garden. Hmm. Um Again, it's, it's difficult being in lockdown now um, because actually this time last year we were going into the first lockdown. Um, so it, like it, all, all the shows have been called off. Uh, so at that point I was like, right, well, I'm going to put on a little show um, in my backyard. And we were like, me and my friends put together like a little card. Uh, we made like a stupid poster for it. Um, and we were going to go ahead with it. And then we got put down, like we got put into the official lockdown. Um, so we, we, we called that off. Um, but now I'm in the same position where we're starting to come out of lockdown. Um, so like lots of people have been asking for some type of show or match um, from the backyard. And n- nothing's been officially put into place. But like I've, I've, speaking to some, I've spoken to some people. And um, yeah, we're, we're going to put on something from my backyard. Hopefully, April time. The the question I've asked quite a lot of people actually in previous months has been, how is it trying to stay ring ready in a pandemic? But that must be where you obviously have the opportunity uh, <laughs> over a lot of people. Like most guys aren't be like, oh, I'll just go in the back garden and you know do my usual sort of commando roles and everything else that entails being a wrestler. Like, uh, do you feel like because of the backyard, obviously having the ring there, that means that you've got an opportunity to pretty much stay match ready? Yeah. Um, well, yes and no. Um, obviously, I have a massive advantage um, over a lot of people due to the ring in my garden. 
Um, but there's still that dynamic that I don't have anyone to wrestle. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's just <laughs> me and the mats. Um, so that so there there still will be um, ring rust on my half because because I'm not used to being in there with someone else. Like I'm not used to um, obviously getting thrown around again. Um, mm. You know, locking up with someone is. All that that I've I've been oh I've had a few uh, no fan shows, so I've I've got a taste of it here and there, but it it hasn't been um you know routine regulated. So um but no I it's fair to say I have an advantage, but it's still you know when when we're back and when I'm standing across the ring from another person, it's something else. It's a different ball game. So when you first break into the business for athleticism, it's unique. It's exciting. Was there any pushback from fellow colleagues, you know, because you're around so many guys who can do so much incredible stuff, but, you know, to your own admission, maybe not necessarily as well as you can? Um, you know, people have been pretty um, receptive of it, like backstage. And like, and like I've, I've worked, you know, camp shows. I've, I've worked like indie shows uh, where stuff like that's more seen. And like, Across the board, they, they've been pretty receptive receptive of it. Um, I remember one time I got told off. Uh, it was actually on one of the camp shows. Um, I did a backflip in my entrance. Like, I, I just climbed up to the second rope, did, did my pose or whatever, and then just did a backflip. Hmm. And then I got told not to do that because it's it's um, uh, giving the fans like too much before the match. And it's like, I can do way more than a backflip. Like, that's not spoiling <laughs> anything. Um, apart from that it's been all right it's just um like some stuff online like some comments like i don't know if you saw the other day um one one of the comments someone kicking off um yeah i wasn't gonna mention that but obviously if you're you if you'd like to speak about it you're welcome to oh that's fine i really don't care because like stuff like that doesn't get me down because that's good, that's good to hear. yeah because like my wrestlers watching as well because a lot of my friends are younger than me where obviously i started later and young guys i know who are still like 18 19 training that'll be a good lesson for them because they haven't really got to that stage yet where they have to deal yeah. with abuse and things of that nature because like you know 99 of the comments and the feedback i get in person and online specifically is positive mm. they're nice things um yeah about the stuff i do um, and about me as a person as well. Um, so, and I always make sure to retweet those things because so so many people will ju- will just focus like on on the negatives. And like it's, I mean, it's human nature to kind of get more. Eff- like if if you hear ninety nine positive things about yourself and one negative, we're always honing on that negative thing. Mm. Like it's, it's just human nature. Um, but I, I really tried to make a big deal of not doing that. Like there was a lot of comments on the clip I posted the other day that I just completely ignored because it was dumb. Um, but that one guy in particular, he was just being an ass. And I'd retweeted um, like all the positive things because, um, you know, because um, it, it makes me feel good. And, and I want to remember that. And I want to um, show, you know, show the fans some respect by retweeting that, recognizing that. Uh, but yeah, this one guy, He'll just being an ass. So I, I quote tweeted it and I was like, look, everybody, this guy's a prick. Like, um, but yeah, it like it didn't get me down because I like I turned it into a joke. Mm. At the out of the end of the day, that's all it is. Like, like why why would I be worried about his opinion? 
because I, I mean, I wouldn't go to him for advice. So why should I take advice from him? Like, it's, it's stupid. It's a very good uh, life lesson, actually. It's lovely to hear from, like, I'm, I'm getting into old man territory now. So I kind of, I'm refreshed to see so many people of that generation being able to kind of deal with it and compartmentalize it the correct way. And it's a really good lesson, like you've just eloquently pointed out to anyone, because I know a lot of uh, my young friends listen, a lot of young trainees will watch this because you are very popular with a younger generation of wrestlers as well, and rightfully so. Um, it's very important that you obviously take advice from people that matter, you know, so to speak, and that you understand that, you know, like Joe has just said, actually, perfectly, you wouldn't go to a person like that for advice on your career. So why should you care if that one person has an opinion on said career? Um, so we won't tag Jim Cornette in any video clips because he will. <laughs> Although it is, it is one of my um, kind of like stupid little goals um, to, to get <laughs> to appear on his feed for him to see me and for him to say something about me, whether that be positive or negative. But the irony. Um, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Cornet being that if you get tagged in something with him, actually, chances are you'll probably gain a lot of love in your career. I've noticed this. Anyone that he zones, like, I'd love him to zone in on our podcast because, like, the viewers <laughs> will come flooding in. Like, you know, um, yeah, he's uh, he's not all bad, to be fair, Jim Cornet, but yeah, there are certain opinions that are very archaic in that respect. And that was kind of what I was uh, looking towards with that question. Now, obviously, what's great is that, you know, you're not just very good flippy wrestler who's been to a few places and done a few things like you've actually been to some of the real hot buzzworthy areas of wrestling i saw you were on tuesday night graps you know working with cck's creation which is really sick a great chance to be on that show working with guys like aussie open um you've also tagged with a numerous amount of people someone like maverick mayhew is particularly fantastic who's just you know, a cool person in every sense. Everyone loves Maverick. He's just an adorable little fella. And he's like, I say little fella, I'm like six, three, six, four. So like everyone's a little fella next to me, but that's fair <laughs> enough. Um, but the international side of things is actually what I want to talk about because so many people watching this, if particularly as I allude to wrestlers again, uh, won't have had the opportunity to go abroad. What's it like that first experience going abroad, particularly being such a young man as well? Uh, it's sick. It's sick. Um, cause the first time I went, um, to wrestle abroad, it was in Italy, like 2018. So I'd only been wrestling a year. <laughs> so like, I mean, I mean, no disrespect, but there's, there's some people that have been wrestling a lot longer than that, that haven't got the chance to, to obviously step outside the country. So that was like, I, I felt honored by that, like a year in, um, it's just good. Like you are is one of the moments uh where you kind of start to feel like a, a star and by no means do i feel like a star but there's there's some moments uh whether that be you know big fan reactions or like a chance to wrestle abroad um and someone fly you out where you, you know you, like you feel good you feel good you feel like a wrestler um yeah it, it's is such an amazing experience especially in italy because mm. a lot of the fans out there don't get to experience live wrestling. Uh, Rising Sun, which is um, the biggest promotion in Italy, uh, besides FCW, shout out TG. Um, Rising Sun only run like five or six shows a year. Wow. So they're like, 
wrestling in Italy is pretty scarce. So w- when there is a live show there, the fans just eat it up. Like it's, it, it's, it's like a mini PWG. Like, I don't know if you've seen the clips from um, Rising Sun, but like, Yes, if, if you yeah, do a yeah, spot that they love, they'll come to the apron and they'll, you know, they'll start banging on the apron. Mm. Like it's, it is amazing. I love it there. Um, and I've wrestled in France as well, which is cool. I wrestled in like some, like a street, just a random street in France, uh, which was an unusual experience, That's especially to, to like fly out um, uh, international talent just to get them to wrestle on the street. That was weird, but um, it was fun. And then, I was meant to wrestle in Germany twice last year, mm. but obviously um, the pandemic uh, put an end to that. So I haven't been able to step outside the country besides Italy and France for wrestling. But Germany was like a massive one on my list as well. And the pandemic ruined that. So Was that going to be for WXW or for somebody no, else? No, no, no. Um, it was for GWP. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm fairly sure I've seen ELP work there. I take quite. I, I speak quite a bit of German. So I love Germany. I'm just obsessed with German wrestling and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's a that's a big thing for me. Um, that aside, obviously, one thing actually keeping with that topic, what's the differences like? Is there like a, when you arrive at first and you're in a different locker room and everyone's speaking different languages and things like that? One thing we don't realize, or a lot of Brits probably don't realize, is that when you go abroad, if you haven't had exposure to abroad, is that um, like they're incredibly like educated in languages, like they can just all speak such fluent, incredible languages all over the place. Um, what's the was it a bit of a culture shock for you or was it something where you just immediately hit the ground running um what i used to go on holiday to italy quite a bit as a kid hmm. um so like I, I i was used to the scenes of italy um so that, it wasn't a, like a culture shock in that respect but um I, I guess not really, because I, I mean, a lot of the Italians, um, especially the Italian wrestlers, do actually speak English. Hmm. Um, and like obviously, I, like spot calling or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was out there with um, uh, other English talent. Uh, there was quite a few of us, actually, the first time I went. Hmm. And um, the guys we wrestled the first time was um, Brixia Bonebreakers, which hmm. is uh, Mirko and Nico. And I don't know if they both have, but Mirko's definitely done some training at Knuckle Locks in England. Oh. Um, so he had already got a taste of British wrestling and how to like hmm. plan a match that way. Um, so yeah, it, it was it wasn't too much of a shock um, to plan with. Same in France as well. Um, Amazio is who I wrestled, and he spoke English, so it, it's been fine. Yeah. Is there a? I mean. Obviously, you know, very young, and you've got plenty of time to achieve so many goals. Uh, where's obviously you said Germany's very big on the bucket list. Anywhere else in particular where you think I must get out there and work there? Yes, um, it's it's kind of like I've been really bad with setting goals. Um, so so I've I've forced myself to set this goal, and like I'm I'm focused, tunnel vision on this goal, um, and it is from a year when wrestling gets back. Which, which at the moment my first show is on August the first for Wrestle Carnival, oh. so yeah, so from August the first of this year to August the first of next year within that space, 
it is my goal to, um, to make it over to America. So uh, an American booking, that that's kind of the top of my list. Um, yeah. Any lofty goals, any aspirations? Like, is there a major company you'd like to work for? Um, I, I have like a really weird goal. Um, oh. it, it's like so specific. Um, it, it's not one of the ones where like, I'll, I'll feel, you know, like sad if I don't hit it, but like, if I could hit it, it'd be sick. Um, is actually when WWE did the Cruiserweight Classic, mm. I was a massive fan of that. So if they ever do another one, <laughs> that's my goal um, to get to that. Because I, I think the reason why it resonates so much with me is because the week they started airing it was the same week I had my first training session in wrestling. So it was like June, July time of 2016. Mm. So like I was high on wrestling at the time. And it was, I mean, it was a sick tournament anyway. Yeah. Um, so you know, and it's it's right up my alley. It's my style. So, so yeah, that that's that's a random goal of mine. If they ever do one, any dreams of wrestling Sin Cara? He's still pretty big business <laughs> in Mexico. Um. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Is it weird saying to people like, because obviously I, I would assume Sin Cara you know, he's one of the first people you would have got exposure to in terms of cruiserweight yeah. wrestling. Um, is it weird sort of saying to people like, yeah, Sin Cara's like one of the big inspirations for me because obviously <laughs> his name is so synonymous. Yeah. Unfortunately, actually, with, you know, mistakes, but he's actually genuinely royalty in Mexico. Like, if you got... Yeah, him, yeah, he, he, was like, he is a god. Like, he's sick. Because, like, the, the only two real high flyers when I first started watching was uh Sin Cara and Kofi Kingston like Kofi Kingston was my favorite because my brother's favorite was um Sin Cara so I couldn't pick him because he had already been taken so I was like oh Kofi he's my guy um because I, th I think um I just missed Evan Bourne which I mean that would have been sick if I was if I was, I was still say, watching yeah him. perfect for you. but um I think he was on like his I don't know second third suspension for whatever mm -hmm. um so yeah, because so, Sin Cara and Kofi, they were the only guys doing like flips and stuff. And the, like 2011 was a dark period for WWE. Um, although it was the start of CM Punk's uh, big title reign and he quickly became one of my favorites. The athleticism side um, obviously is nailed on. You're going to be fine for that. Character-wise, uh, it's something that I don't get an opportunity to ask High Flyers enough. What would you like to do in terms of the evolution of your character, your gimmick, the way you present yourself, your personality, your promotion? That, that's the thing. I've, I've always been so set on just just trying to be you know, a good wrestler, a good High Flyer. Yeah. But I've, I've never had any ideas for a character, really, which is um, like recently I have been calling myself. And it's you know because I believe it, that I am the best High Flyer in this country. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to label that as a gimmick, then there it is. Fair enough. Just simply put the best at what you do. Um, yeah. That's Chris Jericho, isn't it? <laughs> he likes that too. Um, that's fair enough. That's absolutely fair enough. So, obviously, the, the sheer athleticism aside, like I say, I mentioned at the top of this podcast, you do the shooting star elbow drop. 
I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention it because it is kind of like an identity, you know. Everyone's got a move. I don't think it's bad that people have a signature move or a finisher. Like, for instance, yeah. Austin is a god, and yet, you know, you say Stone Cold Stunner, aha. Like, you know, I think that's important to a wrestler that their moveset and particularly their signatures or their identity and really play into who they are as an individual or a character or a wrestler. Um, when's the first time when you realize, yeah, shooting star press, that's that's okay, but I want to stick an elbow on the end. And also, how do you nail a move? So because it is a thing of beauty, like it genuinely is. Like it's like <laughs> I was like, whoa, I've ever seen it uh, on a, a clip about I think about a year ago. I was like, that's filthy. And I also remember on the crib sheet uh, when you wrestled for um, Tuesday Night Graps. I think, yeah. Um, one of the members of CCK ran down, like I said, this kid can do a shoot. Yeah, yeah. Like, so <laughs> that's um, quite a human. That's my sort of thing. So, yeah, tell us about it. Tell us about the move because that's what people do want to hear about it. So, I mean, I never actually planned on using it, um, which I'm so glad I was pressured into doing it uh, because it's it stuck and it's, um, it's, you know, it's, it's got me noticed. As you say, it got me that Tuesday night grabs booking. Because um, at first I was just going to use a shooting star press. Um, but like Because I could hit it really clean. It, like, it was nice. Um, and then one time I was, I was just messing around in the backyard, um, like onto a bunch of crash mats and a teddy. Um, and like, like I, I just did it. I just did it because I could. <laughs> it, it was... <laughs> it was one of them because I got so much hang time on my um shooters. Hmm. Like, I just I had enough time to twist into the elbow drop and it looked cool. So I did that onto a bunch of crash mats and a teddy. Um I I put it on Instagram back when I just used to shit post like or post anything. Um and then someone, another wrestler uh on a show I worked, saw it. And at the next show we were at together. He came over to me. It was um, Blake is the wrestler. And like Blake is a, he's a big guy. And he comes over to me and he's like, I want you to hit the shooting star elbow. I was like, like, I've only done it once. Like, I don't know how to hit, like, hit it safely. And he's like, no, you're going to do it. Like, I want you to hit that. Um, and the guy I was working, LT Mercer, um, the first one to take it, like he, like he, he was all up for it. Like, so he, he was egging me on to do it too. I was like, oh, fine, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> and I absolutely crushed him on it. I killed him. Oh. It was like, um, because normally I kind of like to land with this part, like like an elbow drop, but this was like all like ribs inside, like no given that. Um, that was the first time I did it, and like it like it just caught on, like people liked it. Um, so I I guess it was j just from there. I was like, well. I need to learn how to do it safely first, um, which the next time I did it w was fine. So I, I, like, I've now learned how to aim it and I'm really confident with it. And um, yeah, people started catching on. It was, it was getting some hype. So, and it, and it, it stands out, like it makes me unique. Like, cause there's, I mean, there's quite a few people on the, um, on the independent scene that can hit a shooting star press, but there's, I mean, there's probably some people that can hit the elbow, but there is no one that does it, you know? I've not seen it. 
time. I've, I've, I've watched literally thousands of hours. I'm a wrestling nerd. I've never seen it before. And that was really what uh, drew me and a lot of the people involved in this podcast towards you is the fact that it's like, well, that's so cool because it's unique. It's an identity. Uh, I like the fact that many years down the line when you're a huge megastar and working for AEW and kicking Omega's ass and things like that, people are going <laughs> to be like using that as a bit of trivia. Did you know that LT Mercer took it first? Like, you know, that's yeah, going to be the uh, thing. I had to get it out there. I have to get love that. He he loves that. That's a cheap pot for that boy. Um, Yeah, the obviously the one thing I I always wanted to ask as well because you just don't get enough good high flyers on. Well, you know you're the best at it, so nobody's really going to match up. No, you know the way it is. I'm afraid. But is there a because obviously the argument from shall we say more miserable people is that oh if you just keep doing that it gets boring and then the fans need more do you feel that you have uh, an opportunity to evolve is there it's kind of like a, i'd like to spin a positive on it because i believe that positivity is important do you see yourself pushing yourself to do anything even more crazy is there something working around in the mind that makes you think oh yeah that's good but how much further can we take this can i do like a 450 elbow drop and then just advance from there um i'm like my mind the clogs are always turning um i'm thinking of new stuff because there's so like especially now it's 2021 there's so much that's been done like it's really really difficult to um to invent new ideas Hmm. um so a lot of the stuff i try um like some of the springboards and rope steps or whatnot is um just like putting my own twist on it um so like the other day when i did the shooting star elbow plus which was um the over rotated shooting star press into the elbow drop Mm. like i was um i was just really i think that was monday i did that and i just got really bored that day and a random thought of like envisioning that popped into my head and I kind of just, I just couldn't sit still. I was like, Oh, I have to go out there and try it. Cause I, I think I can do it. Um, and like after five minutes, I got it. Um, so that one literally just came into my head on that Monday. Um, and then I put it into action like straight away. So I, you know, I can never answer that question. Cause I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I could, as soon as this call ends, I could think of another idea and go out there and film it. Like, <laughs> that's yeah that, that's just how i work so um i don't know i mean i'm I'm always you know aspiring to um to, to to put my own twist on things and and to think of innovative ideas and i'm i'm hoping I'll, I'll get a chance obviously when wrestling's back to explore more ideas with now another person being there yeah because <laughs> as i said earlier everything i've done has just been me on my own but when you add the dynamic of another person there there's you know twice as many possibilities it's yeah is there an achilles heel is there a move that you look at and think that's evaded me or is there or even so as a kind of double barrel question is there stuff where you look at it and you think i'm just not going to do that like tech you know like oh technical stuff's boring like because i've seen you do it like you can obviously do it but is there anything in particular where you just think oh, i just really don't want to do that um <sighs> I guess. I mean, even in high flying, there's there's moves like that, like um, double moon salt. No thanks. Um, Six thirty. I've I've done it before, mm. and he's so associated with ricochet 
or like on AEW, I think Sammy Kafara does it. Yeah. So it's it's just like I I I don't need to do that again. Like I, I don't want to do that. So there, there's stuff like that. But even even with the technical wrestling, like I'll I'll be the first to admit it. Like that's not my strong point. Like, um, so I I always shy away from things like that just because like I like I don't shine when doing that. Um. But I mean, I would love to get better at it. And that, that's one of the things. If I did have someone here to wrestle, the amount of like technical chain wrestling, you know, I'd, I'd be doing uh, would help me improve massively. So, I mean, there's some things I shy away from because I'm not the best at it. Like, um, I don't know, powerhouse moves. I simply can't do them. So, of course, I'm going to shy away from them. And even for someone my size, um, like what's what's the point of me doing a powerbomb? Because there's there's someone else in the back, way more you know jacked and bigger than me, that's going to be able to do it ten times better. Yeah. Whereas whereas the you know, Focus if on that same brilliant. guy, you know, if and it works both ways. Because um, I I hate um, when people say that small guys can't do big moves. Yet mm. when Keith Lee does a moonsault, they pop big for that. Whereas like I can do a moonsault ten times better than Keith Lee. Like he shouldn't do that move, but I mean that's that's not how I think. Like when he does that move, I think it's sick, and I'm also all for smaller guys doing big man moves because I think that's sick. Because you know re- wrestling's cool. I like I like random shit being done. Like you know, go nuts, go crazy. But um, sorry, I went off on one there. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what we do. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so there'll, there'll be things I shy away from because people can do it better than me hmm. and i want to be the best at what i do i'm looking forward to the eventual twitter beef that comes from somebody tagging keith lee in this conversation uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll love you he'll absolutely love you would you like to wrestle bigger guys like that because there isn't that many guys uh who really personify power left in british wrestling is there like a kind of a thrill with that do you do you ever get bored of wrestling guys of a similar size in terms of athleticism or is it a case of you just want to just keep going anyway or is there kind of like a a refreshing palate cleanser by wrestling a heavyweight wrestler in some ways um i mean i'm in terms of the match like the amount of matches i've had i think i've had like like 120 give or take hmm. so that's and some people will hit like 120 um in, in like in one camp show run in like a space of a few months so like realistically it's not that much so i'm still at the point where like i don't really care as long as i'm wrestling i'm happy yeah. um i definitely gel better and I'd, i'll definitely look back on matches with um like people more of my style or size um so I'll, def- I'll, I'll definitely enjoy them more that's not to say i don't enjoy matches against you know big guys but it's just i i just i just gel better with people like that what do you think of uh, nxt uk and what it brings to the table because um it's an opportunity to ask you and i ask a lot of guys and most people are fairly positive about it but people have their critiques and i don't think that's unhealthy either i think it's important that people embrace both sides of a coin but um does nxt uk interest you at all because a lot of guys that i've spoken to from your generation are very much of the sort of mindset of yeah that's kind of like the pinnacle for us because it's the opportunity to be on the wwe platform without having to go abroad well it's definitely not the pinnacle for me 
um i i would i i would much rather go abroad um you know wh whether that be um you know the nxt in orlando um but i mean i think is great because it's it putting more eyes on british wrestling and british wrestling talent um i mean that there's there's the argument that it's is being brought in to almost you know kill uh british wrestling yeah. um which i disagree with i don't think it's doing that because it, it's putting as i said more eyes on british wrestling british wrestling talent and it's also cleansing the independent scene um for like for guys like myself um to get more of a chance on shows yeah because a, a lot of the talent that used to be on these big shows have now been signed yeah um so it you know it, it gives it cleanses um british wrestling and the independent scene that's that's my take on it yeah yeah that was actually i, I love the fact you mentioned that because it jogged my memory when it first came into fruition obviously we covered this topic on the podcast because we've been going for nine or four years now and um, I said that actually from a positive aspect, this was an opportunity for guys that I was around, guys that I was training with and guys that I admire like yourselves. This was your opportunity to now push through because all of a sudden gaps were appearing for you to become bigger main event stars as opposed to, hey, let's stick just Joe Lando in there. He can fill the gap. Actually, now it's a case of Joe Lando has the opportunity to become a much bigger star on our scene. And we forget as well that we have one of the richest wrestling scenes in the world, never mind Europe. We forget that. There are so many, like you say, with Italy. Like uh, I'm always amazed. Like um, I've had Kira Kamara on the podcast, you know, who's French. And she was talking about how, like, you know, you just can't get any work there. Dave Francisco came on, said the same thing about the Portuguese scene. And these are big, you know, good countries with a great rich history of catch wrestling or amateur wrestling or even professional wrestling. And yet the indie scene just hasn't blossomed like it has over here. Uh, as we move towards sort of wrapping up, although you're always welcome back on whenever you like, obviously. Um, what's the kind of immediate hope for you and what Brit Rest affords you going for? I know you said that within a year, you'd like to get out to America and do bookings, but looking at, you know, the home aisles and things of that nature, uh, do you have any immediate goals, anything you'd really like to achieve? Um, I mean, like it's generic. You're saying like, Oh, like anything and everything like, blah, blah. but what? I mean, it, it really is that way. Uh, yeah. Like, especially now, um, you know, being deprived from shows for so long, mm. I will literally like wrestle anywhere, um, anyone. You know, um, so it, it's it's almost hard to gauge goals like that because you don't know what talent certain shows are going to use um, going forward. Now, um, you, like you don't know your shot or whatnot. Mm. Um, obviously, progress have been uh, just featured on the WWE Network recently, and that I mean again like NXT UK, that's a fantastic opportunity uh, for young talent, you know, to showcase what they can do. Like one of my best friends, Danny Black, um, has been mm. featured on those shows. Right. And it's, yeah, it's it's so surreal to see him there because he really deserves it. And we're like, we, we need more of that. Um, you know, good young talent getting recognition on like mainstream shows. So, I mean, if I could get featured on one of those, massive goal um i mean i'd like to work revolution pro because again 
top, top British independent promotion. Yeah. Um, but it, it really is a case of anywhere and everywhere. Awesome. Um, there was a spot that I recognised for one of your matches. Uh, you took a RKO out of a shooting star press. Uh, or a cutter, as we like to call it on independence, because we're all snobs. Yeah. Um, I just really liked it because it's the only other time I've seen it done. And obviously, you mentioned Evan Bourne earlier, and he's, it's quite ironic, really. He's had an amazing career, Matt Seidel, but he's regarded as that guy who got RKO'd <laughs> in midair, which is yeah. unfortunate. Is that, was that your idea? I was curious as to whether that was your idea. If you'd seen the spot and thought, let's do that, that'll be some good shit. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was just, because obviously, as as a fan, as a mark of um, wrestling myself, um, you know, knowing, seeing certain spots, and and knowing like I can do that, like I can pull that off. Um, it, I think it was just one of those where we were, like we needed a big uh, finish for the match, and we knew what the crowd were like. As I say, kind of PWG esque, if you will. Um, so we knew that would get a, a good reaction, uh, a cheap pop, if you will. Uh, even though a lot of um, precision went into it, uh, and it did, it, it got the reaction we intended. Um, yeah, yeah I, I've taken that spot a few times actually. Oh really? And I did it into a um, an X Factor, like a sit out face buster, which I'd never seen before. Um, I did that with Cuban Heat, and um, yeah, that that the timing on that was, yeah, it was immaculate. Um. I'll leave this as your final question because I quite like this question. You are the best high flyer in Britain. We'll champion that if you like. All around the world, who is the biggest contender to your throne and who's the person that you want to show that you are better at when it comes to high flying? Um, there's so many people. There's, uh, there's, there's so many um, just sick high flyers. Um, mm. As I say... Uh, like I can say confidently, I'm I'm the best in this country. Um, in the states, Andrew Everett. Oh, and in my in my opinion, the world. So and Andrew Everett wow. is just above us all. Is he a pinnacle can... then in terms of wrestling? Would you like love um, to get in there and kind of prove to him what you can do? Like yeah, like a battle of the uh, the best mm. high flyers. Um, he's he's definitely on the list. I think someone huge on my list is Amazing Red. Oh, he's incredible, yeah. because yeah, he's he's kind of like the founder of, yeah, of, of a lot of um the godfather of high flying, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like um I mean he compared to some people today, he may not be like the craziest or he may not have done the most rotations. Um but he yeah, he was so innovative. Um and I'm I'm a massive fan of his, especially um due to his size as well. Yeah, like, I, I'm I'm a small guy. I'm only five six, and I think he was similar, if not shorter. Um, so it's, you know, seeing people like that wrestle was really inspiring to me. So he's he's definitely high up on my list, probably at the top. And then um, also Royce Chambers in Australia. Mm. He's he's definitely the best high flyer over there. He's someone who I'd who I'd like to step in the ring with. 
Would you like? Do you like the idea of maybe? I'd love to. Like, I, I've considered myself an entrepreneur. I would love the opportunity to run my own show. And something that's really got my brain kicking in listening to this is actually the ultimate high flying contest, bringing together the best internationals. I'd love to see you and Royce, and I'd like to get like Jarrell Clark, for instance, who some people credit as the inventor of the six thirty and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he was. Bring everyone in knockout tournament, like super strong star, but just for the high flyers our version of the cruiserweight classic i think is absolutely so basically anyone who's watching who's got the money and the power and the ability to do it just fucking book it get on with it <laughs> simple as that's the dream yeah yeah that is um before we go actually obviously people will want to find you most people will see the videos they'll think they're incredible but for people who maybe haven't seen them yet or want to interact with you and want to follow your career where can they find you on social media um so on all the social medias i am at just joe lando that includes the just um on everything i've got i don't know twitter instagram i have a tiktok now as well nice. um which i just recycle the old clips from my you know instagram and twitter uh so if you want to follow me on any of those platforms at just joe lando do it Awesome. And a tip to young wrestlers out there, keep it the same for everything. It's so much yes, easier. Yeah. So when they're like, oh, it's this on TikTok and it's this on Instagram, it's this. I'm like, why don't why? <laughs> it just yeah. and, and unders underscores confuse me as well. Like just keep yeah. it one thing. Yeah, especially when you got more than one. I'm like, you don't need that many underscores. <laughs> just that's that'll sound like an old man. Too many underscores, get off my lawn. Um yeah, Joe, thank you very much for joining me, man. It's an absolute pleasure. Like I say, lovely to have you back as well. Um, if you'd like to come back, I'd really love to have you back on once Brit Rest uh, obviously resumes because you're going to be out there, you're going to be kicking ass. And obviously, we we always take pride in anyone who comes on and before and after and always uh, forever after, should I say, uh, we like to promote your stuff and make sure that people know where you are. So don't hesitate to let us know wherever you're going to be so we can plug that on. Our, we've got quite a sizable facebook following for some unknown reason i have no idea why we have like forty thousand followers i'm like oh, wow that's hey, yeah i know i was like wow i wish we were that popular but joe thank you very much for joining me man i'm really excited to see what your career is going to blossom into in the well in the near future frankly yeah no thank you very much for having me it's been a pleasure absolutely